0: Well, Talking Church, I am excited today because I have a friend on the podcast, and some of you may know who he is, and others maybe you don't, and you will after this, but uh, Pastor Chris Durso is joining me, and uh, he's not here in the flesh, which is sad, but we're doing this virtually, and it's the next closest thing, but Pastor Chris, thanks for being on Talking Church. Man, I'm excited to be on, and I love Talking Church. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. You've been up to a lot, and um, the reason I reached out to you is you've shared some new things at the Soho Bible study which we'll get to but you're yeah. a teaching pastor for several churches you're working yeah. with the Brooklyn Nets as you do and you're a New York boy and maybe just if you share you know right before we started recording you said I feel like a lot of people are starting over with new things and I I feel the same way how has your perspective changed like from a grand scale we can get into maybe some of yeah. the practices of what that looks like but how has your perspective changed over these last few years as, you know, you're, you're 40 now? like that's, that's crazy. That's old I mean, old man. That's old. Yeah, I'm an <laughs> old man. <laughs> um,
1: well, I love that question. Um, I think that what happened in COVID was this major reset, and I think that as a result of COVID, people realized what wasn't working for them in a real highlighted way what I mean by that is Uh, before that people were doing a lot of things that they saw other people doing and they saw it work for them, but it wasn't necessarily working for them, but they didn't know what else to do. And so they just kept doing whatever that is. Maybe that was uh, using a certain method in service structure. Maybe that was using a certain course within their church. And then COVID happened and the world broke out into a frenzy between the political divide and and churches being shut down and who's wearing masks and so on and so forth. And it really caused everyone to figure out what's going to work for me. And this is where we've seen a whole lot of rebranding take place, especially within the church world, because churches are built within cities and made up of unique communities. So no community is exactly alike. So what will work in my community may not work for yours and vice versa. And I think people were figuring that out. And what I've learned is that the, the strongest leaders were able to recognize that and adjust which is a beautiful thing in in leadership it's like this adaptability this ability to be able to respond in real time and make the necessary changes but man as i travel every week teaching for these handful of churches or other churches i'm getting to sit with pastors pretty frequent and it just seems to be a lot of the same conversation regardless of their location
0: yeah it, it's true it's you know people have called it the great reset but in ministry yeah. i think it's a great opportunity. You know, it's some people have looked at it from a negative side, but I think, I think more and more I'm hearing just like major opportunities and major open doors early in the, the, the season of, of COVID and in your life, you kind of had some challenging things that you walk through and maybe saying yes and realizing maybe the yes wasn't the right step. I work, you know, with family and ministry as well. And no, sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes the light is green and other times it's a flashing yellow and other times it's a red. But what, what have you learned in the process of saying, hey, sometimes the things that maybe feel like the right thing aren't always the right thing. And what I'm referencing is, you know, with saints and, other p- yeah. people who know you maybe were keeping track and saying, oh, sure. that's the plan that's going to happen. And obviously that's not what God had in mind. But maybe some of the things you learned along the way that, again, they might be, oh, that's that's a hard thing to talk about. Or, you know what, hey, I learned a lot of lessons in that, but I think it could help a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, what, what's interesting in this conversation, you know, if you don't know who I am, I've been in ministry my entire adult life. I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in the church that my parents started called Christ Tabernacle. I was their youth and young adult pastor. I was a youth and young adult ministry called Misfit NYC. Then after that, um, my my father asked me to become his successor. So I became his executive pastor for five years. And then we transitioned in 2020, in January of 2020, which adds to it, by the way, in, right. uh, January 2020, I'm leading it through January, um, June of 2022, where my my father said, "Hey, I wanna I wanna step back in," and we just had a difference of where he wanted to take it and where I wanted to take it. His leadership style versus my leadership style, and the truth is, transition is not easy. And I think anyone that says otherwise probably has never walked through it. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. I think the Bible is, is written in such a way where it's supposed to go generation to generation. Um, however, I think as you, as you work in a walk through transition, and if you have moments where it doesn't succeed, like mine was unsuccessful, that, that's obvious. And I have no problem saying that. I think the best thing to do is to, bow out so that you can continue on. And I just think I think great leaders, I've learned this from the great leaders that I know. They're willing to admit when something isn't working out so that they could move on. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's there's not losses, there's lessons. And for me, it was a great lesson. And we're just continuing to do what we do. Love our city, reach people, lead people, help them understand the goodness of
0: Jesus. Yeah, it's it's so true. I I just was reading in Acts a couple of days ago, you know, you see Paul and Barnabas. Obviously, it's brought up a lot of times, but yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes, maybe more of what it is, I think people oversimplify things. It's like, well, it's just so easy. It's just so simple. You know, even like uh, we, we did a podcast uh, episode that uh, last week, and it's about ministry and family and talking about. Ministry and family, and we were talking about more growing up as PKs in the church, and sure. and I just think a lot of times people assume, and they think, oh, it's oh, it's so easy. And again, not even family, but just ministry in general. Like you're talking about this guy who's frustrated with this thing in church is also your biggest giver, and his sister's, yeah. you know, or his his wife's sister is your main worship leader, and then their right. cousin is, you know, your like your friend or whatever. And so there's just so much complication involved. And then it's like when they sin or they need to be disciplined or they need to step back, like ministry is so complicated that I think anyone who tries to say, this is a shoe in, or this is exactly what needs to happen from the outside looking in. It's just kind of an unfair thing. And I think we just have to humble ourselves and say, it's all God's plan anyways. Right. Totally. And, you know,
1: I I think it's brilliant to admit that ministry is layered. Like it's not just take it as it is. And so often we'll read the Bible, we get inspired by these stories and we go, oh, this is what I'm going to do. But what we so often don't consider when we're reading the Bible is that we're reading the Bible from someone's perspective or we're reading it as someone is highlighted. So we love to read about these different leaders that whether it be Noah, Moses, David, Paul, I mean, Paul, my goodness, was murdering people. I, I think that other people that were there would have found that really problematic. But we talk about Paul like he's this incredible man of God. My goodness, he wrote almost, you know, half of our New Testament, so on and so forth. But there are other people there that go, ah, I don't really view the story that way. And I think admitting that is, is really helpful. So, um, you know, early on when my dad first came to me and my brothers, right? I'm a PK. I have two older brothers in ministry. And it was in 2011. We, he, no, it was in 2012, excuse me. But he told us that in 2011, God had told him that it was time to transition. And we were then having this conversation. He goes, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to my older brother. And then from there, that was the plan. And then a few, a few years later, that didn't work out. Uh, my brother moved out working at another church. And then my dad said, Hey, we feel to give you the church. So then as I step in as this executive pastor, okay, I was only a youth pastor up until this point doing youth conferences and youth camps. And even though we saw great success, we were doing this youth ministry within this pre-existing church. So there were a lot of things we didn't have to worry about in fairness, because it's layered. And And when I step into this executive pastor role and we now start talking about the church, me and Jairus want to lead first, the church that I grew up in and that my parents have built, we then start to go, man, we just have a difference of of view and perspective. And one of the things we did that I would totally recommend for anyone to do is we found a third party to come in and help us. So we used the table group which is Patrick Lencioni's uh, group, mm-hmm. and, and they they came in, they started walking us through, and they're looking at our finances, and, and they're saying, man, do you, do you really want to spend this much on staffing? And for my dad, this is the way he did it for me. I was like, yeah, no, we can't do that, and we had to do a reorg, and it was horrible. My goodness, you want to talk about layered and families and people that I grew up with. One of the worst moments in my life was walking through a reorg in 2019 and but the fact of the matter is had we not done the reorg the church might not have made it out of covid because right. we did the reorg all these different families are are hurt and offended and i get it rightfully so but this is right here. This is the tension of leadership. And I love I love what you're doing with this podcast, by the way, because you are talking to people that already understand this. So we don't have to sugarcoat it, or we don't have to start at the surface level. We could just dive straight in and have these conversations. And I think that that the more we're honest about how nuanced ministry is, the more helpful it becomes. I mean, I just shared with you a piece of my story, and you could take bits and pieces of it and go, man, that's that's not easy, especially in COVID in New York. My goodness, and it, it just is what it is.
0: No, I I so appreciate the the vulnerability and sharing it too because yeah. I think we've all walked through it. And I see that with my dad's story. Like when he goes to church conferences, and you know, if we share the great things God has done in our church, it's like, oh, that's nice. But w- what's really most sure. helpful is sharing the challenges and sharing the difficulties and saying, Absolutely. hey, we're not perfect, but this is the most helpful because I think more often than not. Where we find ourselves is where so many other pastors and church leaders find themselves as well. They're right in the middle of it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah I mean and and the truth is that that is the beauty of what you said before about covid you know coming on the other side of this is like everyone's like man I didn't know what was going to happen hey can we admit that like remember the moment where everybody was prophesying it's going to end on this date and easter what was it 2020 and then we're like easter 2021 i think like the 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 finest leaders were going man I don't know <laughs> like man that's really I don't great know that's a really great leadership I don't know nothing and hey on the other side of it this is what I've learned Those are the most helpful leaders.
0: Yeah, that's so true. This is a question that (laughs) that I I don't know if it makes any sense, but... Do you find that, and I, I've not walked through this, but I'm, I'm like very minor starting to see like where people who are listening to the podcast will be like, hey, I, like the, I'll be at a conference. Hey, I love your podcast or I'll go and do something. But again, such a minor scale. Locally, I definitely experienced that as a PK to where like people will say, are you Pastor Robson, Are you Pastor Robson? You know, we have 12 campuses here in the Twin Cities. So like people know my dad and they know sure. us, but for you- in your youth ministry, you're speaking at youth conferences. You're getting Instagram followers. Like, do you feel like that that made the idea of leadership like seem harder or easier? Or again, do, does that kind of make sense in what what I'm asking? Like, because you you kind of you're on these big stages, and then you're invited because you're so gifted, Chris. I mean, everyone who knows you just wow. knows how gifted of a communicator you are. You've spoken at River Valley many times, um, yeah. but. Yeah. Thank Do you, you feel like that that shifted at all your view of like seeing things from I've had a successful this, but it doesn't translate always to be and being this. Does that make sense? The question I'm asking. Maybe it's the wrong question.
1: Man, but. I think I think it's the right question. I actually love it because what what you're really asking me is something that I've just I've learned in this season. E- experience is what sets you up for success. So without the experience of actually leading something or walking through a budget or a reorg or or sitting with different teams and having big discussions, you could have success on a platform, but that does not necessarily mean the success of a church. I mean, to be honest with you, we could probably spitball some of our favorite communicators ever, and maybe the, just from the art of communication I'm guessing most of them don't have as successful churches as some other pastors that have built some of the finest churches in the world. And those church, those pastors are great communicators, but what they're known is for their leadership gift. And the leadership typically comes from experience. So yeah, I, I think absolutely. I mean, my world was a little bit different because, you know, at 23, I'm leading a youth and young adult ministry, and it blows up pretty quick. And then I started traveling, and I didn't even know pastors traveled. I didn't I didn't come from that world. We didn't have conferences. We didn't know people did that. So when I started traveling, my world was just opened. Now, here's what was happening for me. Me and Jairus are traveling the world in our 20s and 30s, and we're seeing how many great churches there are, like a River Valley. My goodness. Every time I came to River Valley, I am chewing the ear off of my host asking, how did you do this? How, how did you get this? what were your what were your thoughts behind that, because an incredible church like yours is is the kind of thing that I would want to build, and being able to sermonize or communicate or exhort is a completely different thing. I think it's something we need, and I think it's something we could all have in our toolbox but I think that so often if if you're not thinking that way, you'll think that your your gift will just carry you through your gift makes room for you, but it doesn't build the room right it it makes room but it doesn't build the room and really the some of the greatest leaders in the world know hey you might you might emphasize too much on the talent thing and that's good but you want sustainability man you got to you got to drill down to the nitty-gritty
0: of leadership yeah that's so good chris uh switching gears to another one of your roles that you do working with the Brooklyn Nets how yeah. have you seen? Maybe maybe take us in a little bit of what does that look like? I think sometimes people glamorize. You know, it's like, oh man, you're working with the NBA team. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What does that look like practically for you, and how you minister to those guys? And um, what what does the chaplain of the Brooklyn Nets look like and do?
1: Yeah. So the beauty of my setup. So what I've learned um, ever since becoming a chaplain is that every organization uh, treats their chaplains different, and. For me, uh, there's another pastor named Wayne Francis, who's a great friend. Yep. Uh, he's out in New York as well. Uh, we do this together. And so if there are f- there are 40 home games, he has 20, I have 20. And right now we're in a series on Proverbs. So every game that we're home, we take a different chapter and we just break it down with those players. Now, what it looks like is getting to Brooklyn uh, in hour before chapel which chapel happens 60 minutes before the game and being available being available for the spiritual needs of the team so if it's just prayer we're gonna pray when we have chapel uh we have to end on that 15 minute mark sometimes 12 minutes some because the room that we use is the same room where they do press conferences uh pre and post game so sometimes that gets pushed around however the beautiful thing for us at the nets is that uh the players especially um the star players have really asked for chapel so this thing doesn't really get touched or pushed around and and the beauty is we get to pray we get to invite the holy spirit into our hearts into our minds we get to talk about the word and it's just being available for them um Before I took the position, I just asked a few friends that had been in spaces like this before. And the number one thing they all said to me was, man, just be present and don't take anything from anyone. And I thought that was really good advice Mm -hmm. because here are are men, young men, by the way, really young men who have had the world now thrown at them. And they are so used to people asking them for things. And for me, if I'm just going to be a pastor in their life, what a privilege and honor that is. So all I want to do is be able to be accessible for them as much or as little as they may need or want. Because when they need something, they ask. And they want they want prayer. And they want to just talk about all the things that we would talk about, the, the normal things of leading a home and taking care of your body and your health. And these are the things we're praying about, talking about constantly.
0: You mentioned prayer a a few times, and I think what's so amazing is no matter how famous or how wealthy or how much influence you have, people always need prayer. They always need it. And so anyone who is is thinking about, man, what would I do if I was in in a proximity to pastoring a celebrity or an athlete or whatever it is, and we have the privilege to do that for some people here at River Valley— um yeah, I, I just think like prayer, prayer is the most important thing. And one of the things my dad says all the time is he encourages pastors, similar to the advice that was given to you, is stay in your lane. You're you're a pastor. Right. A lot of times we try to be, okay, well, I'm gonna talk about MBA. And if you if you work on your jump shot like this, or what kind of car yeah. are you driving, or what where you've been traveling to. They can talk to anybody about that, but they only have one chaplain. They may only have one pastor. They may only have one Christian friend in their life, and that's you. And again, it doesn't have to be the athlete or the, the billionaire or whoever it is, but maybe it's just someone who's influential in your community, and you feel this need as a pastor to try to relate to them in ways that other people can. We have the biggest, most important thing ever, and that is the message of Jesus, and that is a confidence in our walk with God. And I just think that pastors need to be reminded of that, that you've got everything you need, but it's how you apply that and how you portray that. I think that's the most important way for people to realize that you're authentic.
1: Yeah, you're you're hitting the nail on the head, bro. I mean, because the fact of the matter is, is all they want from me is what a pastor can offer. Right. Anytime I move outside of that boundary, I'm crossing a line. And this is where I need to be mindful. It's like what Paul says to Timothy, he says, don't give them don't don't allow anyone to look down on you because of your age, you know, but set an example in your speech and your faith. What he's really saying is don't give don't give anyone a reason to look down on you because of your age. And let's now substitute age and say leader. Pastor, don't allow anyone to look down to you as a leader. So why don't you guard your heart? Why don't you guard your faith? Why don't you guard your speech? And this is why I have to be mindful as I'm around these young guys who are athletes. Athletes are competitive. So, right, their way of showing love is they might throw a jab or they might laugh or they want to talk about other things. And I just have to be mindful of that. Like, man, be human, be normal. But Let's not joke with them like you would joke with your peers or one of your close friends because you're not there for that. This isn't that. And I think great leadership is always understanding the room that you're in and why you're there. And if you get too comfortable, it it will destroy perception. If it destroys perception, then trust is gone. And for me, I'm like, what an honor. I get to pastor the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, my goodness, we have all-stars on this team and it's a big deal in the city I'm in. And for me, who am I
0: that I would get to do this? So I'm always reminding
1: myself of that as I'm sitting
0: with these guys. Has being with guys that are cultural celebrities, people who are well-known in this in the community, well-known in our in our world, has that changed your perspective at all of as a well-known pastor of how people react to you and look up to you you know having you know tens of thousands 100,000 followers people speaking at these churches that you're a teaching pastor at do you feel like in some ways you're kind of around like like these celebrities we had an episode a couple months back of like celebrity pastors is that real is that not but there there is something about having recogni- recognition for your gifts but do you feel like that's shaped you or changed you having been this time as the chaplain for the nets You know, I thank God early on in my
1: 20s, I got to experience um, being around some pretty high profile people and I was more in the position as the fly on the wall. I wasn't necessarily the person they were coming to, but I was in the room. And what I've witnessed and what I've learned um, from pastors that were pastoring, you know, these high profile people is that if you're just there loving on them, you'll get to you'll get to start hearing their story. When you start hearing their story, you start to realize they are no different than anyone else that I've pastored in my life. And when you learn that, you realize, oh, my goodness, life is is pretty funny that way. Like we put people up on pedestals, but the people that are up on pedestals, they might be projecting whatever they're projecting. But in reality, they're trying to figure out how they got there, too and they're dealing with something called imposter syndrome. And they're like, I don't even know if this is who I really am, but I have a publicist and they told me to dress this way and talk this way. So I'm doing it. But man, I just haven't heard from my sibling or 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 parent in a long time. And they're broken because they can't keep a relationship. I mean, it's it's amazing as you're around all these people, you learn, man, at the end of the day, people are people. That's why I love this one quote it says, you know, the best of men are men at best. You know, at the end of the day, a man is just a man, a woman is just a woman. And being that, um, you know, I'm at this stage of ministry in my life that I get to serve and, and love on hope, high profile people, I thank God for all my years of experience because it's allowed me to understand, man, at the end of the day, we're all just people. I mean, listen, the, the people that I would have been awkward around honestly would have been some of the pastors that I looked up to. Um, I've never found it difficult to be around anybody um, but there are some pastors that I really esteemed. And when I get around them, I'm like fumbling over my words. And at the end of the day, the closer I've gotten with them, especially in my twenties, I learned, man, they're just people at the end of the day that are completely, you know, humbled that God would use them and relying on them. And then the other ones that think so much of themselves, they went from being my hero to not being my hero. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't like who you are off stage
0: and how you treat your team. I don't want, I don't want any of that. So the experience helps for sure. So there's a Bible study going on in Soho. What's that all about? (laughs) Man, we we called it Soho Bible study because we didn't know what
1: else to call it. Um, it, Every time people come, they're like, why would you call this a Bible study? I thought we were going to be sitting around, you know, just reading the Bible together. Um, But we just, what happened was, (laughs) see what happened was, um, what happened was uh, in in the summer of uh, 2022, this organization approached me and I'm not at liberty to say which, but they approached me and they said, Hey, we have some space in Manhattan and there's a building in Soho. Would you be interested in uh, utilizing it? And I was like, man, that's absolutely incredible because if you know New York, right, you know that New York real estate is insane and they approached me. I didn't approach them. And I wasn't even thinking about doing anything really at that moment. So They shared it with me. I shared it with my wife. We just said, we'll pray about it. Three weeks later, uh, friends of ours reach out to us and tell us that their friends who we had met before, their names are Robin and Jamie. They own a salon called Kin House in Soho. And they said, hey, it's a a beautiful salon. It's basically a second floor loft. Would you want to use it for like a Bible study? So I was like, yeah, I mean, all right, God. Being offered something twice in Soho in a span of three weeks is insane. I'm at the time 39 years old. I've never been offered anything in Soho until this point. Now twice in three weeks, and the two have nothing to do with the other. They didn't know. I mean, about you might that.
0: have been offered so something one. in Soho, but it might have been some guy on the street with a big jacket on. That... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, something fake. You know, not not nothing like this. So, hey, I have my New, New York, York, York all... shirt on here today. So, yeah, it's, it's, thanks all for the, representing. All the red letters say New York. So.
1: Um, so, so, so after that, so after that moment, um, I go, yeah, let's, let's do it. And, and we're like, what is it going to look like? I'm like, I don't really know what it's going to look like. But, um, my friend, Ryan, Ryan Horton, who's this worship leader who lives in Florida, who's absolutely incredible. He and I were talking and we we're talking about doing something in New York and, and he's like, man, I'll be a part of it. And then I said, all right, well, we've got to figure out chairs and who's going to come. I don't know. And here's the truth we created an, an Eventbrite link so that we could know how many people were going to show up. So we knew how many chairs to put out before the date. Well, before we ever publicized it on social media, we were already at capacity and we had not done it yet. So we didn't know it was going to look. So all we did was create this link and so just text it to people. And if people respond, then there's a need. If they don't respond, then there isn't. And the reason why I'm saying that is because if I'm being really honest, I'm at the place in my life where I don't want to do anything just to do it. If there's a need, I want to be a part of it. If God is telling me to respond to that need, I definitely want to be a part of it. But I'm not into doing anything at this point in my life just to do it. The most important people in my life are my family, my wife of 18 years, my son Dylan, who is about to be 17 in a few months off to college in a year and a half. My daughter's going to be 14 next week. So I'm at the stage of my life where I'm going, listen, I'm 40. I've been around a lot of ministry. I love ministry. I love church. I've learned, though, we could do church anywhere. So if we're going to do it in New York, it has to be God. Because I don't know that there's ever been a charismatic gather- gathering in Soho before. And so I said, man, just send out the link and let's see who bites. And when I finally uh, posted about it, I only posted it because a friend of mine said you should post about it because you should let people know what you're doing if not it's going to come off weird. And I was just like, "Alright, I guess." And then when we did post about it, it was already booked. We had to uh shut down um the link. Um and that was in
0: October of uh 2023. Wow. So now we're here and um this episode's coming out right at the beginning of February and you know what? What's next for what's happening? I mean, I, I I think I saw you post that there's other events coming up soon, but but like, what do you have? Do you have expectations for it, or do you feel like do you feel like it's planned out, or do you think it's still really grassroots, still trying to figure it out?
1: Grassroots, um, grassroots. You know, pe- people been people ask me this question a lot. Almost like, ah, right, we're planting a church, right? Like, come on, let the cat out the back. And here's what I'm saying: if, if we are planting. We, we, we stumbled into it that that's not the plan as of as of yet um again they came to me the offer came to me last year 2023 in the summer we've done four we're gonna go once a month because and we're doing a Monday night by the way because I travel full-time I'm out every weekend uh preaching at different churches because that's what I am doing right now I would love to build a great church in Manhattan I mean as a as someone born and raised in New York along with my wife and my family there's no other place in the world that I would want to plant a church than in New York City. Um, so if that happens, praise God. But if it's going to happen, I know that it's going to be God. Like yeah. the miracles we've had so far, uh, two of our friends, Miriam and Anthony Fleming, who have an incredible church in Jersey, um, they reached out and said, hey, we're going to help you by renting the chairs. I go, that's amazing. Thank you. Because we don't have a budget. And then they go, you know, we're going to buy you the chairs in faith, believing that this is going to be something we continue to do. We are like, okay, (laughs) so that we got these chairs. They're all in my garage, by the way, uh, along with sound equipment. Uh, Rich Wilkerson Jr. called me. Right, One of my best friends reached out to me after our second Bible study. They're like, bro, it looks amazing. What do you think you need? I'm like, well, we're renting equipment and really can't afford it. Um, He's like, all right, I'm going to buy you the equipment. So Voo Church bought us that equipment. And so things are coming together. Ryan is flying in, him and Michael, his uh, pianist, they're flying in every every month for this just to lead it's not like we have a budget there's no honorariums we're just stepping out in faith and the way this thing has come together has been pretty special and i could go on and on just naming all the little miracles and people volunteering it's moving pretty quick but at the same time it feels really slow if that makes sense because i'm just going god whatever you want we'll do it so february um we have the the bible study in february and that one's already maxed out and now, so we've opened up March March, and there's a few hundred people already registered for that one, which I'm, honestly, I'm blown away by that. Uh, I mean, I think it's incredible. I want to be there, but I also didn't want to go back. If I'm being honest to my youth ministry days where we were really great at just marketing, I didn't want to just like market this thing and like, you know, come to my church today. And like, it's not a church, you know, I didn't want to get in front of a camera and like, you need to be here. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, because of the season I'm in, mean, I'm like, God, if this is you, you're going to breathe on it. And if you breathe on it, that's all I need.
0: And that's what we've seen. Yeah, it, it, it's awesome to hear. And, and I mean, you know this to be true, but just to put an exclamation point on it. I mean, yeah, it got started in October of 2023. But I mean, it got started back when you were 23 and you were doing youth ministry and you're building on it. And I think it's an encouragement to anyone that some people, uh, their their assignment is to continue and build what others have built and other people, their assignment is to go start taking new ground in areas, but there's room for both. You see it with James and Paul. I mean, I I think, I just think it's so, it's so true of what you're seeing is it's the, it's the fruit of your ministry, but it's also the need of a city and there couldn't be a city. I mean, I go to New York a lot um, and there's, there, there are great churches there, you know, in, in, in Harlem sure. and in, in Manhattan there are some there's not many to be honest um but it's a city that needs an amazing church it needs a a, a spirit filled church it yeah. needs a bible believing church and i just think that that you know you've lived it and i i hope that that whether it just stays a bible study that grows and it disciples people or it does turn into a full fledged church like you're the man to do it, but it's not because of how good you are. It's because of how God's positioned you. And I'm just, I'm excited for you. Really am. Because who knows? But I was talking with Alex Seeley. uh, She was on the podcast last year when she was speaking for us and, um, we were talking about the Belong Co. And it started in a similar way. They did Tuesday nights because most of the musicians were touring on the weekends and then they'd get back on Monday and they would do Tuesday night Bible study. And she said they just had so many people coming where finally people said, you need to start a church and obviously look at what has happened with Belong & Co. And everyone's different and everyone's story's different, but I'm just praying that the spirit of God would would be on it just like you're saying. And again, like like I said, I I, I text you and or DM'd you and just said, Yo, we got to talk about this because I see you posting about it and get on the podcast. And I selfishly just wanted to catch up with you as well. But uh, any any last uh, last thoughts, things that you say, "Ah, I want I want to I want to share this with the with those who are listening.
1: Well, you know, what's funny. So everything you just said, you had no idea that I was about to share the story. I've never shared the story publicly. Um, But in 2015. Me and my wife were moving to Nashville to be a part of the belonging. And Henry and Alex Haley are two of our best friends in the world, we love them dearly. And we were moving to be there. And in fact, I was in their house. Uh, my kids were there, my wife was there. We were there looking, you know, just around Nash and Franklin. And I got the call saying, hey, would you uh, not move to Nashville? Would you come home and be a part of the transition? And when I think, obviously, it all worked out the way that it worked out. But when I think of where we're starting right now, we're doing a Monday night only because it's the only night that works for me with my travel and the salon, by the way, people are like, you're so creative. You're doing a Monday night. I'm like, man, you're giving me a lot of credit because it's just the only night that works it's for the salon and us. It's logistics. That's, that's all it is. But when I think of Henry and Alex and the brilliant leaders they are, uh, there are a lot of incredible churches in this country the belonging is the one that I resonate probably the most. And it's probably because of how endeared I am to Henry and Alex and the proximity I get in our relationship. But when I look at what they're doing and now where I look at what we're doing with several Bible study, I mean, I thank God that I have friends like them that I can text and ask them all the questions and learn from them because they've already done it in a, in a, Major city with people that are just, you know, constantly coming and going. It's such a transient city, just like New York is. And when I think about how all that played out and worked out, I go, God, you're so good. I mean, even thinking about what you just said before, you're building on what was already. So if I was building on what I started when I was 23 years old, which was very kind of you, by the way, think about if I'm learning from the Sealies and we're now spitballing ideas because we're friends. I'm now building and taking what they've done and I'm trying to just apply it here. And that's, by the way, that's how the kingdom of God is supposed to work. I think that so often leaders want to have these conversations and talk in such a way and say, let me tell you the idea I came up with. I think, man, we're so beyond all that. Let's start quoting the leaders that we're learning from, and let's start sharing about who's impacted us, whether they're older than us, appear to us, or younger than us, because honestly, that's how the kingdom of God works, right? We're, We're disciples, which means we are teachers and we are students. That's the word picture. A disciple is a student, teacher. You're learning and you're teaching. You're teaching what you learned and you're going back and forth. And so for me, I only say all that to say when you said Alex's name, it it encouraged me because she's an absolute brilliant leader and a gift of a preacher. And when I look at what we're doing for us, there's nobody better to be connected to that will be more helpful to us in this season. So that's
0: pretty cool. Well. It just jumped in my mind, and obviously for a reason uh pastor chris yeah. you're you're a blessing to so many. I appreciate you giving us some time and sharing with us oh, thank uh, you man. I hope to see you out sometime in New York soon or have you sometime in Minnesota and uh just appreciate your friendship over the years and your encouragement to uh Connor and me and just uh, a fa- family and ministry as we go uh, to places that maybe we haven't gone before we 're in your corner, and uh, we just love you and Can't wait to see all that's up ahead. Man,
1: thank you. I love you. Please send my love to your whole family. But thank you again for doing this. I I said that to you earlier, but I just I want to say it publicly. Thank you for this podcast because it's the kind of space that we as pastors and leaders need to have the room to have these kind of conversations. So thank you for doing what you're doing. And I can't wait to see you next.